Hello, and welcome to I've Never Seen Ellipsis, where we pick a pair of movies either we both haven't seen or one of us hadn't seen, and we have a conversation around them now that we have seen them. So, I am Stephen, and I'm joined, as always, by Albert. Hello. Um, so, this time, um, we are speaking about two um, Altman movies. We're continuing the theme of assertive directors, I'd say. Yes, yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, so, you know, American Institution, Robert Altman, um, one of the most famous filmmakers of all time, um, but surprisingly underseen, I think. Definitely, given that he was part of the whole, like, new Hollywood cohort yeah, yeah, with yeah, yeah. Scorsese and the rest of them, it feels like he's I, he should be much bigger, man, I like, so much bigger. He's very known as a name, but not, not very known as, like, his impact doesn't bleed outside of him being a famous filmmaker Robert Altman whereas like Scorsese is conversational yeah. Um, no. yeah but the player really explains why he's such a movie industries director do you know what I mean like if, yes. you're, if you work in movies you will you will love Robert Altman yeah. he'll be like up there for you but if you don't it's kind of I don't know it's very it was very unsurprising for me that Nashville won the Academy Award because um, the people that give out awards love films about films and yeah. nashville isn't explicitly about film but it's such a film of a film which sounds really stupid mm. um, yeah. but it is so using all the language of film it can to be a movie and i think the point that i want to get away at the beginning is these are just these are movies these are like movie ass movies both of them and so nashville and the player from robert altman are just like one hesitation is the word film these are movies this man makes movies, and they're good, and I really enjoyed both of them. So did I. I thought they really were amazing. Enjoyed. And you actually came into this viewing having having seen some other Altman yeah. films. So um, let's start with expectations. Given the fact that yes. you you'd seen some other Altman films, what were you thinking about? What were you expecting <laughs> to find in these two films? So a bit of, a bit of backstory then, as as does not as will not surprise you. I get like random messages from people every now and then being like, "Have you seen Blah?" Because I've just yeah. seen Blah and I think Blah about it. Um, yeah. And I got a message from someone, a friend of mine, a couple of years ago, being like, "Have you seen Mash?" And I was like, "What the TV series or the film?" And they're like, "The film Mash." And I'm like, "No." And they're like, mm -hmm. "Well, we just watched it and it's really highly regarded, but we just thought it was just like horrendously sexist." and like yeah. really bigoted and i was like okay so like it was just available on a streaming platform i watched it and i was like yeah um this movie i think thinks it's lampooning certain things mm. but then just totally isn't and i was like this is so of its time and i can see where people at the time were like oh what a ribald kind of scandalous comedy and now it's just like mm, yeah yeah that woman is called hot lips yep i get that oh you've revealed her naked while she's showering that's hilarious um and it's it's a lot of that and i was like oh, i just do not like this at all so um, my question is is it all like that because yeah both of these films kind of reveal sorry the ones that we watched this week kind of reveal robert altman's sort of relationship with misogyny but i think if anything he's quite damning of mis i know it sounds weird given mash right given what you just said about mash but you cannot have a better indictment in some ways of misogyny than, than nashville there's some very difficult scenes to watch and there's some like absolutely I very intimate like portrayals of, of like the power and like the problems of misogyny, especially like uh, the uh, 
striptease yeah the striptease scene yeah. which i want to talk about actually we'll get that out of the way there is a striptease scene in nashville which i thought was was excellent because of the restraint of the camera work in a way that yeah. i really enjoyed i've been like the real again this man makes movies and knows where to put a camera it's amazing the camera is so far out mm. and you see more of the crowd than you do of the show and she just walks off and you don't the camera doesn't go over her body she's just kind of like there slightly out of focus at the edge and walks off maintaining like the dignity of an actor but making it clear that everyone saw a thing and it's very nice to see that from a filmmaker that the previous work had been like mm, don't like this um but yeah i think that's like i think maybe he works better when he is making dramatic films with comedic elements right um whereas mash is like a comedy and I mean, it, it does have like some dramatic cred because it wants to be like a satire on war, um, but it falls too much into lads at war stuff, which just does nothing for me. Um, right. So this, I I have so many questions about that, and this actually relates to his other film that you've seen, which yes. is um, uh, Gosford Park, right? Yes, I've seen Gosford Park, which I really liked, so, and I've seen Images, which I liked. Okay, so my question is basically, I've sort of read up a bit about Mash, and I saw that it inspired the TV series, yeah. and then that's a similar thing that happened with Gosford yeah. Park and Downton Abbey, right? Yeah, because so, it was supposed to be um, Gosford Park the TV series, um, and okay. then it got shifted to be that, and and it was sold as that because it's the same writer. It was the writer of Gosford Park making a TV series, and that was the the sale, and then it became its own thing. Um, so. Altman is known for having like a really biting satirical black comedy mm. edge. Yes. And that's why that's why I loved both movies. So actually what's really funny is watching these two from this week, you kind of get the impression that Altman hates posh British people. Yes. And I was wondering if the same thing translates to Gosford Park and how he sort of dealt with uh, that. You, you should watch Gosford Park because it's like, it's not my kind of, and I feel like I get this a lot with these Nashville movies. They're yeah. not quite my kind of film. Mm. but for what they are i'm like these are great like yeah. nashville isn't 100 percent a me kind of film yeah but i'm really impressed by it the player is more of a me kind of film but not quite yeah. but i'm really impressed by it gossip yeah. park if you like if you like upstairs downstairs period dramas gossip park would be your favorite film of all time interesting if you like downton but... you'd like well gossip park exists but no so my question going back to what i was trying to say was did people miss the point about Gosford Park? Is it still a biting yes. satirical film? And is MASH a biting satirical film, just like Nashville and The Player are? Do you know what I mean? Whereas, like, what followed Gosford Park, right, is just basically Arista Trash. Yeah, right? no, so, like, 100%. What you get is... Downton is not the same as, like, a Robert Altman film. Do you know what I'm trying to no, say? It, it, it isn't at all. And, I mean, that's why I had a slight Gosford Park conversation because I was, I was really taken with it because I did not think I was going to like it because I have watched 10 minutes of Downton and they were like oh it's 1912 let's prove it with a paper and I'm like I don't care they're like have you heard about this ship called the Titanic I'm like oh Jesus Christ I get it yeah. it's the past um, Gosford Park is really cool and just mostly because of filmmaking um, I was reading up it afterwards and a thing that is apparent as you're watching it but I wasn't quite sure if it was true the camera never stops moving for the entirety of the film it's always ever so slightly moving which the effect of watching that is there's always this kind of like eerie quality to it that you feel quite distanced and you feel quite voyeuristic about the whole thing which really adds to it and it yeah. is very much an upstairs downstairs kind of like reveal and like the way that it goes towards the end is it's it looks at the pernicious kind of like relationship between these two and how one cannibalizes the other and they feed off each other it doesn't go as hard as it could do and it is a little bit in love of itself more than it should be right. 
Um, but it, it does do the right thing. I was watching it. I said to Emma as I was watching it, Mike Lee would never make this movie. Right. But I want Mike Lee to make this movie. Yeah, agreed. Because agreed. like the di- every now and then there'll be a line of dialogue which is just like, I'm going to say the point of this film, that would not be in a Mike Lee film. Mm. Okay. There was one line where someone goes, oh, why do we love these people upstairs so much? I'm like, yes, I get that's the theme of the movie. Right. You don't just say it right. to me. Thank you, film. Okay, no, that's that's quite good. I'm gonna I'm gonna put that on my list actually because it sounds definitely, uh, uh, yeah, something that I really loved about these two films. Man can make um, a movie. So expectations of Nashville and um, the player. Yeah, I mean, I so I'd seen these films quite a while ago, so I don't really remember what my expectations coming into it yeah. were. I just thought, interesting filmmaker, I should probably see these two films. I saw like a trailer or something, and I was like, oh, yeah, okay, I definitely want to see this. What's your history um, with country music? I absolutely hate it. Yeah, same. I love it in this film. I actually, mm. I genuinely, I like get into the groove with the songs, <laughs> because I'm like, I really, I really feel these songs. But I think they have to work in that like tragic comic Oh, and, and because he got the people to write their own songs. Yeah. It's just, that's it's just why, fabulous. That's, I actually found out about watching it last night. I was like, I, I want to look up some of these songs, yeah. And then suddenly all you get on YouTube is like the actual scenes from the film. Yeah. And then you realise, hang on a second. These were like created. He made them write their own songs to yeah. match their personas for an extension of, which is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, my expectation going in was the classic, this movie is two hours and 40 minutes long. Yeah. Um... It's. I mean, you really. Are... Co- you have to stop writing off long things. No, because most long films are bad. Is that true? Yeah. I feel um, like long films are good. No, most films don't merit their length. I've watched ninety-minute films that feel too long. Okay. And maybe. there is like pacing. Is I think I, I don't know. I think I watch more mainstream cinema than you. And films love being long. Like mm. blockbusters love being long. Oh, that's that's I'm, true. I'm that's always true, like, yeah. take an hour off this movie. Yeah. Take a, you could take an hour out of this movie and it'd be a better film. So like, there's a there's a line from Mark Kermode which is like, if Stanley Kubrick can get from the birth of man to the beginning of a new like species in two hours in two thousand and one, like, yeah, come on. Um, like, yeah, <laughs> no, agreed. There's an expediency to filmmaking, but then occasionally you watch a really long movie, you're like, it needs to be this long, and Nashville definitely merits does. merits its length. Yeah, and the player is a nice clean two hours, doesn't need to yeah. be longer. I didn't. I wasn't watching the time when I was watching these films. No. That's, Fairly you know rare. You know yeah. I mean? like, yeah, exactly. So uh, you just get sort of immersed. Um, Interesting so, yeah. player. My expectations was this is a film which I have scrolled over on Amazon Prime several times and been like, eh. Because <laughs> the poster's rubbish. Oh, yeah, I so agree. It looks... It's, it's not oh. one that looks on your looks good on the letterbox film list. No. Like, I, the I cover look... just looks so dated and 90s. I look at the poster and go, swingers. And I quite like swingers, but I'm like, this looks like a '90s kind of like kooky comedy. And I like Tim Robbins, like Hudsucker yeah. Proxy, is a is a favorite of mine. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was. I, I had to remind myself it's a Robert Alton movie, therefore I should watch it. Yeah. Um, and also, like, often when it's like weighty directors do a dark comedy, is always you're like, mm, I'm not sure. Yeah. I often don't pay off the like because I've watched been watching a lot of Bergman movies recently mm. and um, there are some Bergman comedies and a few of them are oh, good right. a few yeah. of them are good and most of them are like Bergman because I, <laughs> I watched his last movie Saraband and in my like, yeah. letterbox review I'm like Bergman is at his best when it's just very 
complex, sad Swedish people talking about being sad <laughs> Swedish people. Like he has mastered like familiar, sad familiar relationships and marriages, talking about how they're sad and they're married or they're related. Right. He should stick to that. Like he's yeah. very good at that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I remember a quote from someone saying, I think most directors uh, master talking about like one or two, two things mm. throughout their entire career. They really have like one theme. I'd say most of the great directors kind of explore a theme throughout their whole filmography. Yeah, totally. I mean, there's the other kind of thing of like it is sculpting is they're like always trying to sculpt away at the movie they want to make. And like they're getting closer and closer to that same thing, like through their work, trying to get to that one film that they're trying to it's... express their idea. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Um, and Altman is pretty consistent, I'd say. I don't know, even the you know, given the settings change, but but the message I feel like remains the same. Yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. I'm not sure what that message is, but it's no. very intriguing, like intriguing. The message one. seems to be take a look at this. Exactly. Ain't this yeah, a bit a... buck wild? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm. So yeah, I, I had I had high expectations going into both these movies by reputation, but I was a bit like they're movies I put off watching because I was just like. They, I don't know, they, they seemed a bit safe, kind of like unchallenging Americana kind of movies, which is not my thing. Right. And I was pleased they were not that. No. Um, so, what do you want to start with? Um, just give a very brief overview of both films. I think we yeah. need to um, do that before we jump right into them. All right, I think we should take one each. Um, which one do you take? I'll take Nashville. All right, good yeah, luck. So, Nash Nashville is a sort of tapestry mm. of um of a nashville. kaleidoscope <laughs> yeah of nashville uh in the mid 70s um it's really a film about nothing uh and about everything it sort of gives you a cross-section of interweaving storylines yeah, 24 storylines isn't it yeah it's although it doesn't feel like that many but basically so you get sort of recurring characters recurring interacting storylines of um ostensibly about a sort of political event like a country yeah, that, that, music that's the event. backbone isn't it the backbone the is backdrop. there There's is a, a political contender for president yeah um but that and and there's sort of like this country singer which is a recurring theme he's a kind of he he seems like a very well-known person and a personality uh in in nashville oh and his uh, arc is amazing yeah it's it's really really great but around him, you have this kind of huge cast of characters uh, mm. all on their own adventures um, with some pretty, like, interesting, weird characters that you wouldn't really, yeah. really see. Like, you get you get this incredible portrayal of this BBC journalist, which I just oh, I found her really annoying in places, though. The funniest thing like, I've seen in such a long time. And it, he, I don't know how, but he really, like, nails that character because I... I don't know about you, but I've definitely met some people like that in in my life. And he just nails it. He nails it. Yeah, but it's hilarious. And like his characterizations are really incredible. Um, there's like a sort of aspiring country music singer who can't yeah, well, sing. Well, I think every and character so... seems to be an aspiring country music singer, which is yeah. like it, it's that thing about Nashville of you go there, but it's it's the LA of country music you go there because you want to be a country singer and everyone knows that everyone is doing that yeah um so yeah I can't really sum this film up it's it's quite difficult there's a lot of stuff that happens mm. um but really it's about the kind of int like it's more about sort of dynamics 
social dynamics i'd say do you <laughs> know it's an original tagline because its original tagline is is really good no um the damnedest thing you ever saw <laughs> which surprisingly like sums up the movie really really well it's yeah. it's agreed it's a thing it's i'll, I'll talk more about its structure later because i was really impressed by its structure in a way i wasn't expecting to be yeah um so that's that's nashville um won the academy award for best picture um like ebert um gave it his like film of the year it, it's a very yeah. very good film mm. um and then we've got the player which um the player is a film about films which is brilliant because so a thing that i dislike about so many movies is they seem to pretend that movies don't exist mm. um which is very alienating and strange like you've got to mention him again you've got people like tarantino who all they talk about is films and then in his films you feel like films don't exist and you're like i thought you loved cinema but suddenly cinema needs to be absent from cinema so it's nice to have a film that is in love with cinema um, even if it is poking at it and revealing it um so the player is about a studio executive um who works with writers to writers pitch him ideas and he takes on the movie and he's allowed to take on 12 movies a year and it very much explores his descent as a person of like revealing how much of a scumbag he is as a like a satire of the movie industry specifically the studio industry um, and it follows the crazy tale of a writer that he turned down starts threatening him with death yeah and then he finds the writer that he thinks did it and kills him yeah and then starts to realize that maybe that was the wrong writer um yeah i mean that's the sort of surface level that's and um the, the ending is but outstanding it's, it's, it's more metaphorical i mean it's a much more straightforward metaphor i'd say yes than any of his other films it's basically i don't know the way that i feel about it is yeah. you know he's basically saying hollywood killed the writer right yeah, is, that, is that what he's saying um, yeah, yeah it, so... it, it, it's, it's snooty producers but he's also like he is it is a broad kind of like satire because he is also having a go at, at writers to an extent as well of the i think all right here's here's my take is i think he's having a go at individualism in hollywood that everyone seems to think that they are this guiding presence that yeah. they have this singular thing and there's no collaboration in this mm. it's all a writer wants to do this and we're gonna make this and the producer wants to do this and we're gonna make this and it shows all these competing things pulling down the art of cinema and taking away its collaborative kind of like essence and he juxtaposes this with references to classic cinema and like artistic works and it is also very much a reflection of he seems to not like the way that movies are going yeah there's a great quote actually on that theme where he retorts to that um, to the character which he's in competition with, the, the mm. Hollywood exec, where he's like, I, I think uh, the guy says something like, oh, let's just get rid of the writers. And then he yes. answers back, oh, if only we could get rid of the directors and actors too, yeah. then we might be onto something. So I think like definitely that theme is very strong. It's uh, a critique of film as business. It does not like yeah. the fact that film is biz of show business, mm. but it also kind of loves it yeah yeah it's Wait, it's oh, it's, awesome. it's an awesome movie i really loved it yeah um so yeah which which movie did you prefer like um, i think nashville's a better movie um yeah. um i don't think the player is a masterpiece but i had such fun with it and it was so playful and enjoyable 
and Nashville isn't 100% for me, as I was saying, but I really admire it, and I did really enjoy it. Um, I was not... I was a bit cold on it towards the beginning, um, mm. because it was... it. It became a film I didn't think it was going to be, which was why I loved it in the end. Of It seems just very much a scattershot and revelatory, just like, let's just reveal loads of things. Mm. But the further it gets, the more you realise how intricate it actually is. Like, it is very precisely structured. Yeah, that's true. But it never yeah. seems that way. And th that was the brilliance of it for me. And the, the way it tagged everything together to this, like, finale that was actually very cleverly foreshadowed. Like, there's all this talk about JFK throughout the movie that seems yeah. purposeful, but mm. it doesn't seem to be there as foreshadowing. And then there's the assassination thing at the end. And it's yeah. just like, oh, of course that was always going to happen. Yeah. That was always well, coming it's, here. It's subliminal priming, which there's all a the lot best... Of that. Uh, directors do, I think. Yeah, my um, favourite thing about foreshadowing is when you only realise it was being foreshadowed afterwards. You go, afterwards, oh, yeah, that yeah. was that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Yeah. And there's so much of that in a film that seems to be, it feels like verite improvisation. Yeah. And the more you watch but it's, it, it's you're not, like, oh, it's not. It's so contrived. So yeah. So the really clever thing about it is it manages to, it manages to have like the sensibility of like a news reporter mm. in like some I don't know like it, it, amongst events in in the middle of events. It's like flying the whole documentary. Film. Exactly, but it's it's a very well constructed film, um, so you really feel quite immersed in this world. Uh, the and... use of juxtaposing imagery as well of how they would, because like not all of the stories intertwine. Yeah. But then some of them intertwine thematically in a way that's Absolutely. really unbelievably Absolutely. clever. There's yeah, a bit yeah, towards the yeah. end where there are two concerts happening, and those characters don't technically, well, they kind of meet, but not really. But one informs the other's arc by giving you something else to look at that it's like there's this CD concert and there's this glitzy concert, and there's one bit where someone sings somebody else's song, and later yes, you hear them exactly. sing their song, and yeah. you learn about these characters. And you learn so, and also because you've seen someone go for a situation. Yeah. You learn about a slice of life that informs your relationship with a character later. He's like, so he's so, so good at cool. like placing ironies together mm. thematically. In fact, at any moment on screen, you probably have like some kind of ironic thing going on. If you look very closely, <sighs> I mean, some, some very it... poignant moments, especially the bit where the guy has just been informed that his wife is dead, and like two minutes Yo, ago, oh, he that gets was the conversation. Excellent. You know about the singer leaving the hospital and she's like oh have you got your wife's vitamins and he's like oh yeah they're right in my pocket whatever blah 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 and then suddenly you get to this scene straight away there's basically no pause it's like irony yeah. after irony after irony and then he's being told his wife is dead and the next scene is you know something else which has some kind of extra added layer of irony it's very like heavy uh, on, on the metaphor. And then that Marine walks in and just has that little speech about why he's there and his life purpose. Yeah, 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 exactly. No, 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 it's, it's, yeah. But for the irony stuff, let's go back to my point that I was making, it's like, so much of the irony is comes from previous scenes that are not even in the arc of those characters. Like, it's ironic yeah. because of a different thing that happened an hour earlier. Yeah. And it needs that breath. It's like, it's yeah. why it's one that earns its length is because... Yeah, 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 yeah. You, yeah. If you take the central figure as this country music star who you see at the beginning and he seems to be like the stereotype of the accomplished, revered country music star that's a bit of just like is insufferable, but everyone lets him do it because he's just an institution. Yeah. And then you realize over time that he is like cripplingly insecure um, and that he is like not quite as established in the scene as he thinks he is. 
and that yeah. he's quite nasty. Mm. And, yeah. And he's friends with Elliot Gould. <laughs> yeah. Of MASH fame. There's <laughs> a, actually, so it's really interesting. Like, I was thinking about how many cameos I've seen in both of the films, and oh. the list must be like hundreds strong. I think the right? player has more Oscar winning actors than any other movie ever made. Yeah. Genuinely. And- so I was also thinking, how did they actually get like Bruce Willis and Julia Roberts to actually come in at oh, the end God, of that film? Yeah, in the play, how I... good was that? That was just like so. I don't know. It's so on the nose. It but reminded so... me of again. I can mention this movie a lot of why I love Eight and a Half so much, which is another film about filmmaking. And when it's like you see the effort put into the film within the film, you're like, you've made this ridiculously ambitious film within this film about (laughs) the film. And then when you get to the end of the player and you've got this Julia Roberts and Bruce Willis like action movie and it shows that, that, so is the player. The good thing about the player is, to me, and I'll get to some of this later, it sets up the idea of that people say, oh, they don't make them like they used to. And he's being Mm. like, no, we can. Good movies exist all the time. And then at the end he proves, and I could make one's movies if I want to, I just don't. Like, he shows he could just make a mainstream blockbuster. He's like, just not going to do that. I could. Yeah. I could just bash yeah. out a Julia Roberts movie. And it looked kind of fun. Like, yeah, that yeah. movie didn't look terrible. Altman's like, I'm still making excellent film, excellent cinema that exists alongside blockbuster. It's not like, oh, and like, because every scene is just littered with old-fashioned movie posters. And this yeah, movie yeah, is yeah, saying, yeah, yeah. we still make movies like this you're just ignoring them. And the, the blockbusters yeah. don't mean these movies don't exist. This movie is that movie. Do you know if the player did well when it came out? Was it like a box office hit? That's I'm a just... good question. I don't know. Um, I'm really curious about that because I was also trying to work out who is this film yeah, made I don't, for? I don't know who this movie is for. It's glorious. Do you know what I mean? Like, It's just... Is it for people who make movies? In which case, it's a very small crowd. Mm-hmm. Is it for you know film buffs it Probably, seems yes, to be for, for but... critics and the people that work in cinema and not even like conventional capital m movie makers these are people that work in the business of cinema yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's it's very that's reference heavy yeah 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 um i'm just looking this up now so apparently it did actually make a profit at the box office because it's very funny though it's very funny yeah. and the characters are good and the actual core story is very compelling yeah, that's true. It's good yeah. narrative cinema that's also very tongue-in-cheek, and it, it it does feel very... It's different stylistically, but it does have a Coen Brothers-y kind of like feel to it. That's true. Coen Brothers before the Coen Brothers, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And to talk about the player, I mean, to talk about the player without talking about the opening scene of the player would be a disservice. Yeah, go for it. Oh, <laughs> the opening scene of the player is just magnificent. Of And it's... It tells you everything you need to know about the movie straight away. And I was just like, this is like one of the best eight minute slides of cinema. Um, so the first shot is of a picture of a film yeah, being filmed. Yeah, and yeah. then you hear someone giving like talk over this film being like camera ready shoot. You're like, am I watching a film? Am I watching <laughs> a film within a film? And it never um, reveals that. So for this whole first eight minutes, you're like, is it going to zoom back and reveal that I'm watching a film? within mm. the film or not and like it sets the tone perfectly I don't, have you seen david lynch's inland empire no not many people have it's a it's it is full david lynch in a way that no other david lynch movie is um, interesting but it, it it's also kind of terrifying if it does this thing every now and then where you feel you're watching a scene and you're like this is this is very emotional 
and then it just zooms out to reveal that scene was part of a film in a film you're like what is real what is going on mm-hmm. um and i was waiting for the player to do that and it didn't and i was like it it but came it's going close to? is I it thought... going to and at the end it kind of does yeah i that, i agree with that there's almost something quite lynching about the the, the arc of the whole film because at first apart from what you just described like the first 30 to 40 minutes is a very straightforward almost quite bland film do you know bland, what i mean but like very funnily written it's yeah, a bland yeah, 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 but yeah. funny very, movie there's subtle kind of humor going on but but on on the surface you feel like it's just a very standard film that's yeah. in front of your eyes with a standard character arc until you get a, an actual murder you know when you actually get to that to that scene you you're not prepared for it. And it, it happens so early so on. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Mm, yeah. And in this opening scene, so this is great, this is what cemented the, the theme of this movie, of it being about people that want to look back on old cinema and go, they don't make it like they used to. Because this scene is an eight-minute single take. Mm. And one of the pieces of dialogue is Orson Welles' Touch of Evil, that movie starts with a six minute take you know that is cinema everything yeah, yeah. whilst the film itself is doing that is just brilliant yeah. this film being like yeah and we do those now yeah it's yeah, a film yeah. about films doing films and has this huge and it doesn't like touch of evil is an amazing movie this movie is just like out touch of evil touch of evil because it like picks up new protagonists for a while it zooms into new windows a conversation goes past it goes away with them it looks yeah. back around you're like who is this movie about what is this movie about it's just the opening scene is just like film school yeah it's it's a romp through film school basically there's so many references i'd say like yeah yeah um so i mean okay so like with a lot of his other films i feel like the player works on so many different levels i mean Mm. it works as a critique of the 1980s and and mid 90s up to the mid 90s it's you know the actual, the, the sort of costume design, the, the set design is very peak neoliberalism. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's like they just turned up the eighties to like twenty. Um, Which is. And it's it. So there's a kind of political sort of thematic thing going on as well. Yes. Um, Care to explain? So I think you know it's kind of the financialization. Um, of the movie business. Uh, oh yeah, because there's that great the... bit where one of the 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 rival movie exec goes, yeah. "Who of you has actually seen a film recently? Gone to cinema to watch a film?" Which again is this movie being like yeah. against movies as a business and just loves film. And then the main character goes, "Well, last night I went to go see Bicycle Thieves," and they're like, "No, no, no not an art film. Yeah, yeah, a yeah. Film. I was, was going to quote that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is brilliant. Um. So what else is it? I mean, like, I guess there's a sort of, like, dig at yuppie culture, possibly, with yep. the movie exec. So <laughs> he starts out, like, driving, like, a Range Rover or something, something ridiculous. And then by the end of it, he's in the, the most ridiculous car I've ever seen. He's, like, driving a Rolls Royce or something. Uh, and the, the, the film that just... scene is, like, it's it's really surreal. Like, when he's driving down the motorway at the end, uh, and then he goes to the woman, which he... <laughs> Which he uh, ends up with. Who may or may not be from Ireland. Yeah. Who, you know. um, It's like he's saying um, the the past decade was just created the most, like, horrific uh, individuals who literally just, like, don't care about anyone uh, or or anything. I mean, he breaks up 
and he doesn't break up with his girlfriend, but he, he doesn't point even do black that. admits that he's having this affair without any kind of emotional. Oh, when he's flinch. sat on that sofa with his arms out as he's just yeah, yeah, like, yeah. laying down. One of my favorite things about this film, and this is why I like the film that it juxtaposes itself against in the middle, which I had never seen before, so I watched afterwards, so I should have done. Um, it's one of these classic films about people that say like, oh man, it's going so bad for me. You're like, everything is going great for you. You, yeah. even if you were to fall out of this, you cannot fall very far. Like, and the film, film so says it. No, the, the film says it. He gets mm. away with everything, right? I know, totally. So, and, despite and then, him being this brilliant. utterly despicable guy. Like, and they even push how despicable can they make him yeah, and have yeah, fun exactly. with that. As his life... Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, one of the so cleverest true. things is his life becomes so clearly a movie script yeah. of like it is just playing with and his life starts to match a bit of the films that he's talking about and it goes on the the reason why i don't flat out masterpiece loves this is because there is a f film like this which takes these ideas but i think does it better oh interesting um, which is an um, adaptation okay of, of this um, film or something else no the film adaptation um, oh, the, 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 the Charlie Kaufman Spike okay. Jones movie, right? Um, which is, have you seen that? No. Oh god, no. it's so damn good. Um, it's got it's it's what it's the most meta film you've seen in your life. Way more meta than this movie, and this film right. is meta as hell. Basically, Charlie Kaufman got the right. Well, someone had the rights to the book The Orchid Thief by Susan Orlean, which right. is a non-fiction book about like orchids, pretty much, mm. um, and they decided that um, they should take a try of Charlie Kaufman of being Dramalkovich fame to do a treatment for it. And Charlie Kaufman wrote a movie about himself not being able to adapt the book The Orchid Thief. <laughs> That's hilarious. In which Nicolas Cage plays Charlie Kaufman and his fictional twin brother Donald Kaufman. He plays both roles. And oh they, my. And they play the counterposing sides of personality. The one that wants to make just money and just like blockbusters and the one yeah. that wants to make challenging art films. And one becomes more successful and they go to like art, like film writing lessons. Yeah. And then they talk about how oh, it's cliched. Like you've got a car chase and then later in the movie there just is a car chase for no reason. And his film, the film just goes into these weird areas of plot that just mm. outlandish but mirror the things they were talking earlier about cliche and stuff and the way that it adapts so like that, that movie takes the player to another level for me that sounds great it's an outstanding film um right well there we go so um, yeah watch adaptation they, they are different because like adaptation is very much more about a person and his mental state and the conflicted artist it's about yeah. the creative individual, whereas this is a broader satire of movies. Yeah, true. Right. Yes. Um, but that's the thing with Altman. It's not about in individualism. Mm. You get this huge breadth. You, you get society, right? You don't get like... Yeah. You do get a bit of the inner lives of people, but it's always juxtaposed against something else. Like the scene in Nashville, mm -hmm. where you get the uh, scene... Uh, the, 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 uh, of the singer's son, right? He was quite a sort of oh, God, shy guy. Great. And he he's talking to the journalist, so this totally feckless British woman <laughs> who... Uh, oh, no, slight interruption. The two scenes of her walking through areas where she thinks she's not being listened to and yeah. she's doing her recording stuff are just amazing. Genius, genius. Absolutely. Amazing scenes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But so basically in this scene, what you get is you get very close to someone's internal monologue. So mm. you get this very moldable dude 
who's about to open up about whatever is on his mind to uh, this character. And you see that the woman's face sort of contorting into the right shapes. Uh, <laughs> and you think it's about to go one way, which is you're about to have this like great revelatory moment about his inner emotions. And he starts singing, and it's a very beautiful scene. Yeah. But then you start to see her eyes wandering someone else. You're like, what's going on here? Like, why doesn't she actually care? And then you get the review of the of the actor, uh, like arriving on the scene, and then she's off, and the scene gets cut short. She's so like, oh my god, is that like... Elliot Gould? Yeah, 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 So he's always like flirting with like how people's inner worlds kind of translate to wider mm. social context did you uh, perceive one of the moments in the player to be lampooning nashville no i didn't catch that which okay which bit? here's here's my theory um one of my favorite things about nashville is the absolutely random jeff goldblum character so yeah but well, he's he's a theme across most altman films right yeah but in the player one of the someone asks why is jeff goldblum here okay so he's like walking with the party just like for like 10 seconds and goes why is jeff goldblum here and like you're watching nashville and you're like jeff goldblum's great in this movie but why is he in this movie so it, it seemed to be like a wait a minute yeah. why is he here okay so okay i feel like he's quite an iconic character in that film in nashville right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. But a lot like, of characters being based off of his performance yeah exactly no but he's like that sort of like space cadet kind of and very he is Martin Martin McConaughey in Dazed and Confused. You do yeah. not get Orada Orada right without Easy Rider um, Jeff Goldblum just being cool motorcycle dude. Yeah, agreed. And you know I love Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. Well, I mean, he must have like so much charisma because without even oh, he speaking, does. He, he steals like a lot of the yeah. screen time. So it's really interesting. And he walks down some stairs in the player and you're like, oh, Jeff Goldblum just stole this movie. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um... So, yeah, um, Nashville, I, I absolutely love Nashville. This is it's a great. film which it's I couldn't movie. get enough of. It's so my kind of film. Like, I was actually What's thinking your, about... That's interesting, because I think I use that phrase and explain myself yeah. very often. What do you mean by that? So I was trying to get to the bottom of this, because, mm. like, I tried to kind of rate films in the same way as you do, which is at a very gut, instinctive kind of yeah. level. If I if I feel like I like it, then there must be a reason for it, and I try to yeah. explore that. And so, you remarked uh, this week that I was watching some Tarkovsky films. I think I watched like Nostalgia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you I watched really, The Sacrifice, I really, which I yeah, love. I really, the Sacrifice. Well, the thing is, I've really hated those films for a number for a number of reasons. I was trying to work mm. out why, because ostensibly I should really love them. Like they're, <laughs> they're kind of very art house films or whatever. Um, art house in Russian, and you say? It sounds like Albert Bessman. Um, it's true. It's true. Um, so basically, yeah, I was like, why was I so let down by these films? But I really loved these two Altman films. Mm. I really loved Nashville. And I think it's partly because Tarkovsky films are very insular. You yes. know, like they're very much about introspection and also fe like fetishizing spirituality. Mm. Um, they're, they're very individualistic films. You know, they kind of hide away from society, which is something, you know, I... But I, I think you can be an individualistic film that is still critiquing that. And I feel there is some inherent critique in that because these are sad, like, broken people who have ruined their lives because of their introspection and because of their individualism. I just don't see enough of other people apart from, like, mm. one character in those films. Yeah. And I feel they're very self-indulgent. Whereas Altman's like, no, this is what society is. Like, you can love it or hate it, but here it is. It's such an authentic reproduction of that. But meanwhile, which though, I, I think, think is amazing. It's like it's truly just—it's so compelling. 
my no. one critique of Nashville is that I think it is a bit a bit too broad of the it is not a razor sharp satire it goes for the easy hits and it nails the easy hits but it's the exact unpicking of Nashville as a place that you think it's going to be it's the everyone wants to be a uh, country music star these are people these are people and you recognize some people but it is what it says on the tin it's a straightforward bam this is Nashville does it brilliantly but it is yeah. like this is Nashville uh- so what I think you're discount, discounting is how difficult it is oh, yeah, to, yeah. Do, to do This Is Nashville. You, what does that mean? To, do you, like, there's so much depth in It's that. a remarkable achievement. I, I, yeah. I do agree. So, most people, I think, don't realise like just how difficult it is to actually portray something authentically, mm. whatever medium it is. And I think most directors, if they're like striving to be the great ones, they only manage that. They manage a small sliver of something which feels very real and very poignant. I think that's what Nashville does. Whereas, like, I don't know, the Tarkovsky films, they they kind of went over my head, I think. Um, so, I remember, because I, I, I really... I haven't, I haven't seen the other one. I can't remember what it's called. Um, Nostalgia or whatever. Yeah. Um, I hadn't even heard of it, to be honest. Um, it's very beautiful. It's But it's but it's just so skin deep. And I, 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 I loved the, the sacrifice so much. I found it so affecting and, like, melancholic and just, like, felt what? So, at the end. Tell me what that film was about. Man, I watched it like a few years ago. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, but isn't it, that's his like in exile movie, isn't it? The Sacrifice or Nostalgia? Sacrifice. No, no, no. Sacrifice, no, sacrifice. sacrifice is about a lot of things. Oh, that's about the world, the world yes. is ending and I'm so going to burn down my house. Was, yeah. Nostalgia is the oh. one about him being in exile. It's a sort of, it's a kind of poem to like lots of different Russian creatives who have had to like flee okay, Russia that, for various reasons. That sounds wank. It's it is. It just is. And it, the annoying thing is, it's so beautifully shot. It's you mm, can't find mm. a more beautiful film. Like the guy is just, you know, visual genius. He yeah. manages to find texture in literally everything. I wonder who who like, is his just cinematographer? Pano, but it's Sven. Uh, for some of his films, it's it's Sven Nyqvist or. Oh, Nyqvist. I, okay, so, cool. I... Of, of, same of, same of, as of the Bergman. Bergman, yeah, yeah, absolutely of Bergman fame, mm. um, and so you get the really meticulous contrived shots of the you know the the house burning down for seven minutes exactly, and he timed that exactly, and he got the whatever. Oh god, that the, house burning down was amazing. So he had to do twice; they had to rebuild a house. Yeah, that's yeah, that's crazy. Um, my point is that it just feels very surface level. I um, I can't speak to nostalgia. I did not get that with Sacrifice because I thought the family dynamics in that film were really interesting especially with with the sun and i like the little guy that comes by on the on the post bike all the time mm. and and i feel I, I agree with you i think it is a film about like insular individualists but i think that film's about the slow decay of this individualist person who's pushed people away from him and is now having to come to terms with finality which i found powerful but as with most very arty movies i'm like i can see why somebody would hate this movie but it's just I don't. You don't get the sense of what he's losing. You don't get the sense of the world ending because there's not much of the world in the film. Whereas in Nashville, if you know, if there was a sudden mm. sort of threat of nuclear war, the crowd would disperse. You'd hear screaming. Do you know what I mean? You kind of. It, it's. Yeah. They're very different films. Um, yeah. And um, Nashville's great though. <laughs> speaking of violence, mm-hmm. the portrayal of violence in uh, Nashville is so interesting and great and the ending scene where oh, you have the, the shooting 
I think one of the most powerful scenes. And then they just like, <laughs> everyone's looking for their chance to grab the limelight still, and some kind of subconsciously are doing it. Yeah. And there's this like, kind of like, by being there, it's like a, it's a straight face presentation, which is just a critique because it's there of just the forced innocence of Americana. But they're all just like, yeah, but we're here. We made it through. So that's fine. They're like, why are you yeah, people yeah, yeah, still yeah, yeah. here? No, what I are know, you yeah. doing? <laughs> oh, God. The ending song, the lyrics could oh, not be better. Really it, like, brilliant. The title of the song is It Don't Worry Me. And yeah. that's being played out like this really happy sort of singing tune after a shooting has just happened seconds uh, before. It, it, and you this just film get, does like, capture this... the American hypocrisy so well Absolutely, because like, yeah. there's that lyric of you may tell me I'm not free. You know, the, the, the obsession with freedom out. or the lack of freedom. Exactly. The slow zoom out of the crowd and the American flag and you get the song It Don't Worry Me. You might not think I'm free but it don't worry me. Yeah, it's you may say so I'm good. free it's it don't so, worry me. It's so on the nose. I don't know. It's yeah, really, really brilliant. Mm. A thing about both of these movies, um, I've had this conversation with Emma a lot. Um, I watch a lot of black and white film, um, yeah. m- mostly because I watch a lot of old films. But I watch a lot of like a lot of arty films, like black and white. And the reason I love a lot of purposely black and white movies is because movies are in color by default, and you rarely see a film that actually uses color well. That goes, we are a color film, and we're going to use it. Um, and Nashville is a film that has a color palette and is vibrant and is beautiful for being like a colour film and I really love when that happens that is a surprising rarity like outside of like the early kind of like colour films I was really struck by um, Jean-Luc Godard's Infame Infame which is his I think his first colour film mm-hmm. and like he's just pissing about with I can do colour now as like this new medium yeah. and now it's very much just like these are films and they're in colour so we're going to shoot what's there whereas Nashville the amount of like red, white and blue everywhere yeah. all over the place is so purposeful and so vibrant it's just it's just great yeah it's, use your um, colors films use your colors and then the player uses it. color well as well to be fair yeah um yeah it's not as beautiful though as nashville nashville is just a very it's a nice mm. you know it's a nice thing to look at and there's, there's you get an intentional scuzziness to the player though the player wants to be, the player is kind of shot true. like a noir movie that's true that's very true yeah which is, which is also very very fun mm the film knows films i mean another great like meta layer of the player and one of my favorite bits of it is the way that it signposts different parts of the film yeah um like when it's in the second act of the movie when the person's like you just pitched me a screenplay with no second act and i'm like oh, okay see you in there and then um towards the end of the movie when they're in the mud bath yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's, it's like the penultimate scene of the movie and how the mud bath scene is introduced is by a knee propping out and it looks spot on the Colonel Kurtz end of Apocalypse Now scene. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah. not even Colonel Kurtz, the um, Michael Sheen's character when he's, like, gone full on. When he's about to kill Colonel Kurtz. Yeah, yeah. it, it yeah. is that rising out of the swamp thing, and it's that way of being like, this movie's about to about to go somewhere. Yeah. And it's, it's a nice visual homage, but it's also a signposting of what point of the movie we're at. That's clever. It's good. I like it. Yeah. And even the scene before where you have the sort of very saccharine love scene or whatever, mm. but it gets interrupted by the most like banal kind of, you think he's about to say something very profound, something very romantic, but all he says is, 
oh, but a film needs to have X, Y, and Z to make it effective. Yeah. That's the end of the scene. I just love that. That was just hilarious. Oh, God. But when, when he's reading out his list for what a film needs, and the last yeah, yeah. the film, the film just ticks off that list. Yeah, yeah. No, very no, mechanically. So good. Um, actually, on the theme, going back to, like, uh, his relationship, uh, Altman's relationship to misogyny, mm. there's a very similar thing that happens when his girlfriend is reading him this, the love scene, which yes. is, like, very explicit. But and you also... terrible. <laughs> And terrible, but you also get like the same thing on screen, right? Yeah. Is, oh, what, what's yeah. brilliant about that? And again, this is a where Altman, though it's it's always I'm always a bit wary of being like insert male name here. We understands misogyny, um, but like where Altman understands the the different understandings in Hollywood of when she reads this scene and she just gets it's a nonsense. Yeah. But she's just like, but people are crazy about this, and what she means by that is all these male executives love this. Yeah. Of they were like, oh god, yeah, sexy, and she's like, give us his trash. Of there is that sense of like different understandings of sexuality, um, yeah. which is cleverly done. Speaking of the sexuality stuff, there was another clever bit towards the end, um, where it cuts to what appears to be, a, well, it is a nudity scene, but you think it's of the two main people, and it's just not. And the camera pans out to realise that the couple is actually just somewhere else talking. Which bit is that? There's, this, there's that. this couple that strip off to go skinny dipping in the lagoon at this restaurant. And it's oh, just yeah, two no, no, you're random right. you're right. people. It's so, yeah, yeah. But it's that shot, but it's shot yeah, like yeah. the main couple. And it's when Agrees. you go, wait yeah. a minute, that's not yeah. them. And it just like pans up. <laughs> Which is really, again, that they are starting to live in a movie. Because yeah. she even says, do places like this exist outside of films? Only, only in the movies. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah. Um, the Bicycle Thieves conversation then. Go on, because you watched this. Uh, yeah, I watched, I watched Bicycle Thieves. Part, partly because of this film, I assume. Yeah, yeah, because of this film and because I'd never seen it before and should have done. And it's, it's unsurprisingly, Bicycle Thieves is wonderful. Or as they call it in this movie, The Bicycle Thief. Yeah. Which, obviously because it is an Italian film, translations differ, I'm going to say this movie has to be called Bicycle Thieves. Why is that? Um, You know, like the important oh, oh there's a great example recently of the beguiled um did you see sophia coppola's remake of the beguiled no um it's really good and it's much better than the original take that anyone listening mm. um but what was cool about it is it has a polysemic title because you're like who is the beguiled here who is being beguiled right but in france because of the way the french language work it was called lay plural beguiled mm-hmm. which kind right, of okay. ru- which ruins it you're like yeah and like with parasite for example the whole point is who is the parasite it's not who you think it is but it is who you think it is it's this great polysemic title Mm -hmm. um to spoil bicycle thieves there is a bicycle thief in the movie Mm -hmm. but on a surface level the end of the movie there's another bicycle thief right so there are two and it's it's an important part of it but also it's a film that is a microcosm film it's about wider society and this being a thing that happens. So it's not about the bicycle thief. It's about bicycle thieves. It is about repeating relationships and spirals of like insecurity and tragedy that come from poverty and that come from like the institutions failing and falling apart after the war. Yeah. So there you go. Um, but bicycle thieves in this movie works as such great shorthand for art film. Mm-hmm. because it's such a known yet underseen obviously because before today neither of us had seen it um everyone knows bicycle thieves most people haven't seen it 
um, and it's like, oh yeah, it's a classic. Um, Italian neorealism, yeah, 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 we can talk the talk. Have you seen it? Uh, y- 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 yes. Um, so as soon as he sees this, it's like, this is insert pretentious film to go to, and it works as a film later. But Bicycle Thieves is a film about actual suffering happening to people and like how low a person can get taken and actually nasty things being taken away from them and losing their way of life and showing reality and it so nicely juxtaposes the complete lack of reality in the rest of the film and how these people cannot fall to this level and could never be in this and it's such the opposite film of the player like Italian neorealism being like this is people, this is humanist cinema and this being like this is so divorced from that Mm. Um, it works as a lovely counterposing film. Interesting, because yeah, I was wondering if there were any like thematic links to the to the player, but yeah, it's. I guess there's more links to Nashville because it's sort of quite, you know, to and there's depicting the, what's real, or whatever. But there's the M connection as well, which like I was going to ask about that. Have you seen M? Yes. Um, okay. Not for a while, but yeah, it's, it's a really good movie. Um, but it, it 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 uses the poster M. It keeps going back to it. Because fundamentally, M, the thing that people remember about M is that you know who the killer is and you're waiting for him to get caught and that the player is also aping that storyline of you know, you Mm. know from the beginning, which is what made my favourite scene of the player is the um, favourite comedic scene is the police lineup scene. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When you as a viewer know exactly who should be picking out and you know exactly who is the cop and when she's just like, that person... And we go both like, are you sure? <laughs> are you sure it's him? <laughs> Good movie. Good movie. Yeah. What did you feel about um, the mix of actors playing themselves and then actors playing fictional people? So I think it definitely, like, it works. It works. I, I don't know. It was strange that Whoopi Goldberg wasn't playing Whoopi Goldberg. Was she as big as, uh, I don't know, she was later, like, in that film? Because I, was, I wasn't sure what point in her career we're seeing her. Good question, actually. Because it's very hard to, like, Whoopi Goldberg is, like, one of the most recognisable people. That's true. Let's look her up. Gonna find her filmography. Doobie-doobie-doobie-doobie-doo. Children's books. There you go. That's not useful to me. Awards. A lot of them. Oh my god. Why am I not on IMDb? That's She's done a lot of stuff. Yeah. Oh, there's a different article for her filmography. Um, I think right. she... So this is this is, yeah, like this is a way in. Um. All right. So it's, color. It's color purple. Sister. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Color yeah. purple, which being her breakout in 1985. Um, but they talk about ghost a few times in this movie (laughs) yeah and she's in ghost a film that gets referenced several times Mm. it was interesting um don't know but yeah i mean i thought that the mix of uh actors playing themselves and not is yeah perfectly fine i thought it was totally brilliant that he included uh, the scene at the end with uh, Bruce Willis and oh. Julia Roberts. Oh yeah, the reveal of Bruce how, Willis. Is, how is... did they agree to that, I wonder? Because, I mean, were they in on the joke, I wonder? Like, I guess so. I mean, they must be like... Good yeah, like... Well, it, to, to reference Charlie Kaufman again, 
um, with being John Malkovich, like they just that was a film that kind of happened by accident because the studio because it's a studio film that mm. is so bizarre because the studio didn't realise that it was being made because they were bought by another company at the time and the company that bought them didn't know this film existed so they just got free reign to do whatever the hell they wanted and there was no mm. studio oversight at all um, but being John Malkovich is obviously about John Malkovich which John Malkovich plays John Malkovich yeah. and um, they pitched him to John Malkovich and he was like it's funny but no I'm not doing this <laughs> and they're like well we need you he's like no I'm not doing it they're like why can't it be about someone else they're like no and he's refused to make it about anybody else until he just admit, just agreed and he like got a lot out of it but he was just yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. because fundamentally they were just like your name is funny to say and it's going to be said a lot in this movie <laughs> and, and he was, said yes like, he, that's, because like, that was kind of the joke pretty, that's a pretty poor reason to like well, the, the say yes is, to a film because it's that mix of his name is going to get said a lot and it yeah. works as a joke and mm. he's the kind of actor who you see him and you recognise him but you're not quite sure where from yeah, and they wanted to have that, and then be like, "Oh yeah," because like one of the recurring characters, like, "Oh yeah, you're that guy from um, what was it?" And, oh, and you know yeah. that one. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Which have a movie. Um. So, should we should... sum up our thoughts on these movies? Yeah, the, let's the, do it. They're great. Are we gonna Are we gonna rate them as well? Um, okay, if you want to. We said that we would try, so I think yeah. we should try and continue that. Thing. Okay, you first. So I yeah I love Nashville. I mm-hmm. thought it was such a I don't know such a difficult to make film yeah. to like capture everything that it captures. Um, so I respect it for that, and also I just had such a good time watching it's it. Very I was never I was never bored. Like it's a really long film, but I was never bored. There's so much going on. Um, I think it's very clever. It's very funny. Um, I'm probably going to give it a five stars, um... which. Yes, yeah. it's, it's a four for me, and I think just because it is a bit broader than I wanted it to be in places, and it's not a hundred percent my kind of thing. Um, mm. But I'm if I would say it's a masterpiece, but subjectively it's a four. Objectively, something you can say that's a five. I'm like, yeah, National Party is a five star movie, like yeah. spot on. But for me, it, it is a, a four out of five, but a strong four. And the player is the same for me. Yeah, I'm the player. It's like not a strong of a film for me. It's still yeah, very enjoyable, I... but it's not up there. Um, so I'm not gonna. I don't know. It's more like a three for me. Like it's very enjoyable, but I think my problem with it is it's so reference heavy that you can't go you can't go into it naive or blind. You know, mm. I mean, like you have to understand the cultural references and. So I just like... had so much fun watching the player, and I was just like. Yeah. And I, I loved watching, as I said at the beginning, a film about films that realises that films exist, which yeah. is so weirdly rare. Um, it was a rewarding watch for a film nerd. If you love films, you will love this film. Like, yeah. that's the if you, kind of, and if you that love, hate films, the... yeah, you love to hate and you hate to love. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. So yeah, until next time, thank you very much. All right. And thank you for introducing these two movies, which I would be putting off watching mm. like forever, which I was like, I'm not going to watch these movies. One of them's too long, one of them looks like a 90s rom-com. I'm slowly... It's called The Player, and I was like, mm, no. <laughs> I'm slowly pushing your letterbox in the right direction. That's all I'll say. <laughs> okay. Hey, my letterbox is dope, all right? <laughs>